is AgriTalk. I'm Ken Root. In this week that's in between, I hope you had a good Christmas and that the whole holiday time is joyous in your household. A happy birthday today to Rich Hall, AgriTalk's affiliates manager, the man who always looks out for the rest of us here at AgriTalk. Uh, he hired me back in 1981, hired Mark Vale, our executive producer, who's running the show this morning in 1983. And uh, Mark, one out of two isn't too bad for his track record so far. We just have to figure out which one. So a happy birthday to Rich. It's a rotten day to have a birthday, the day after Christmas. And happy holidays to Rich's family and all others who are his family that are listening in Iowa today. When Christmas dinner ends, many in farming return to their business frame of mind. The, the year end, what expenses to place in 95, what potential income to carry over to 96. My father-in-law, by the way, this last week sold some $4.99 wheat. We need some serious cheering for a western Oklahoma farmer who in the 1970s held for $5 and wound up selling it for $2. But this year he finally sold before the market went down. Farming more and more is a business. It's more that way every year, but it also has these emotional roots. It's a business, it's a passion, it's a life and a livelihood. And with all the work and all the risk, farming is still attractive. Many people would like to enter farming, some predictably and some not. Well, today we have joining us two young women who are sisters who decided that they are going to farm together. Now, is that non-traditional enough for you? Chris and Angie Buck join us from near Lambert, Oklahoma, in Alfalfa County in northwest Oklahoma. Chris, you're the eldest. I'll start with you. How are you today? Pretty good, and you? I'm doing just fine. You're the oldest child of a farm family. Right. I am 24. <clears throat> I have two younger sisters. Angie's 21, and I have a littler sister, and she's 13. And you are a college graduate. Yes, um... In the spring of 1994, I graduated from Oklahoma State University with a degree in animal science. And uh, you have experience in farming. Um, ever since I was about 13, um, I have been farming with my dad and with my grandpa. Um, while I was going to school, it was just during the summertime and on weekends. But as I would get older, my weekends got filled up with basketball games and track meets and everything. And so uh, it was just kind of a summertime deal until I graduated from college. And then that was the first opportunity that, that I ever had to farm full-time. Let's meet your sister Angie here. Angie, hello. Hi, how are you doing? Okay, how are you doing? Fine. You got a deep seat here, uh, ready to talk to us for the next hour? Oh, yeah. You're a college senior, right? Yes. At Oklahoma State? Yes, I go to Oklahoma State. I'm a senior in agronomy. In agronomy? With an option of uh, crop science. Uh-huh. And? Uh, planning on getting a minor in entomology. And a minor in entomology? Yeah. Now, when are you going to get out of college, then? I'll be graduating in a year from now, in December of 96. December of 96. Yeah. All right. But you will be able to go home this summer? Yeah, I will return so and far, you, it's just been a summer, a summer deal for me since I've been at school. And you have, uh, you have quite a bit of uh, experience in agriculture as well? Yeah, I uh, started early, as Chris did, been involved in the family operation since then. Okay. Now, uh, Chris, I'll ask you this. You guys believe that you can farm full-time together? 
Yeah. Um, well, with our family, uh, we've always farmed um, with our dad and with our grandfather. And um, Grandpa's getting older now, and um, he likes going on, on trips, and he likes getting away. And it's it's nice that I'm around here so that there's someone to help Dad. And whenever Angie graduates from college, if she wants to come back and farm, I'm sure there'll be plenty of room for. And also, it's kind of nice to work with someone your own age, too. Do you uh, really think you're going to make it? Yeah, of course. Okay. Well, in a moment, we're going to hear your ideas about beginning farming today, what you think it takes. And to our listeners out there who soon turn into callers, I hope, what do you think it takes for these two young women or anyone else to start farming today? Any admonitions that you have for them, any encouragement you'd like to give them, can a young person make it in farming? 800-794-8255. Serious discussion about the next generation entering agriculture. 800-794-TALK. This is AgriTalk. Information you want and the voice you need. This is AgriTalk. I'm Ken Root. My guests today are Chris and Angie Buck. Uh, Chris has graduated from Oklahoma State University with a degree in animal science. Angie will graduate uh, a year from now with a degree in agronomy and a minor, Angie, in what? Entomology. In entomology. Insects. So all of those should be effective to help people enter uh, uh, agriculture and, uh, and do a good job of it. Now... Several times in the past, I have made the statement that uh, the last generation has entered agriculture and got some grief from that of my feeling that agriculture is consolidating so fast and the amount of capital required makes it very difficult for a young person to move into agriculture. And I've got some people who said, well, I know so-and-so that has gotten into farming. But I don't know a whole lot about them, and so I've kind of been hesitant to put them on. But in your case, girls... I knew your mother and father before they were your mother and father, in fact, even before they were married. So I've been up to uh, visit you several times back in my earlier years and look forward to seeing your family again. I know your grandparents, so you can't really tell me anything that'll be, uh, uh, that I can't dispute here during the course of this, which, which I think is, is good for us to have a real solid base of, of you two going in. Chris, your dad farms full-time, has since he got out of college. Correct. And he's uh, quite a mechanic. He is a very good mechanic. How much of this did he pass on to you two? Well, I'd like to say a lot. Um, Angie and I, we, we operate two balers, and we have two tractors. And we pretty much, we take care of them. And if there's big repairs to do, um, Dad will help us, but pretty much the smaller stuff is ours. I enjoy doing stuff like that. It's a challenge. Um, Angie's probably better at it than I am. Um, it takes patience, that's for sure. Well, Angie, uh, how do you consider yourself as a mechanic? Oh, I just kind of am mechanically minded, I guess. Maybe that's an inherited thing. Yeah, well, um, I enjoy if it, being if it, out there and learning new stuff. Yeah. Now, your mother, on the other hand, is very business-minded, in my estimation, very determined to succeed. How much of that did either one of you get? Oh, probably a lot. Yeah. And you, you agree with my analysis of her? Yeah. And you've also seen pretty hard times on that farm, too. Yeah, that's very true. 
Um, whenever I was a, uh, I believe I was a junior in high school, it got pretty rough around here. And everything's doing better now. You That's know, good. I've been in the mid-80s, you know. Right. Everybody else went through all this, and uh, both your parents and your grandparents uh, uh, didn't escape totally from the... Uh, from the downturn of the 1980s. Yeah, we didn't end up losing any land or anything, but um, that's a really hard thing to go through, and I, I hated seeing, you know, my grandparents have worked so hard, and same thing with my parents, and to see them have to go through something like this makes you real bitter. Well, I would question why either of you, with a college degree and the potential to earn an income somewhere else, uh, are interested in proliferating that, that agriculture has always been a cyclical industry, Chris. You're going to face this one of these days in the future. Yes, uh, there is a possibility. But um, just with any business, you could go under any day. You're, uh, if you have a, a closed store, it could burn down. Um, every it, Everything's a gamble, and I enjoy it. It's something that I really enjoy doing. And I'm willing. I'm willing to uh, take that risk. You said you have two balers, uh, and you're in Alfalfa County, very appropriately named of Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, uh, to either of you, uh, what type of farming operation do you anticipate you're going to make your living from? Um, stalker cattle, wheat pasture, and alfalfa hay. Mm-hmm. Angie, uh, the balers you've got, these are those big new rectangular balers, aren't they? Yeah. And uh, how many years have you been running them? Um, probably since a junior in high school. It's been about four years ago. Well, now, we're not, we're not going to act like your parents haven't been a factor in getting you two into agriculture. So let's see if we can kind of talk about that. Uh, Chris, where did, the, where did the initial money come from for you guys to get started? Um, our first baler we bought secondhand off of a guy around here in Cherokee. Um, I did not even know that this baler existed. I had never seen anything like it before. We bought it with money. We bought it together as a, you know, as a partnership deal. We, um, paid for it with money that we had saved from cattle. Mm-hmm. that we had acquired from running, from running cattle in the wintertime. And we bought this baler, and we ran it one summer and thought, this is all right. It's something that we both really enjoy doing. Um, you work basically at night. You work pretty much by yourself. Um, it's not something where there's everybody is around. I, I enjoy working by myself. We decided to get another one. So we got another baler, and this one was a new one. And that's what we do during the summertime. We uh, have a custom baling business. Now, these bales are much larger than the old, small, rectangular bales. Correct. They're um, four foot by four foot. They're rectangular. Um, the bales, they'll weigh about 1,000 pounds. It's basically what everybody's going to. I mean, it'll weigh, it'll weigh 2,000 pounds. It'll weigh a ton. Yeah. It's basically what everybody's going to because... Um, they're easier to handle. You bale them and you pick them up with a front-end loader. You don't have to hire a crew to come out here and, and stack your hay in the barn, and it's easier to load trucks, too. You yeah, know. I would think the truckers who are wanting to long-haul hay, they can't do a very good job with the round bales, but these rectangulars, that's what I see right. going north-south most of the time right. now. They're heavy, and they stack real well on a truck. 
Well, ladies, when we come back in just a moment, we're going to start taking phone calls, 800-794-8255. Two sisters entering farming. What do you think about it? Any admonitions to for them to look out for or any encouragement you'd like to offer or any other observations? 800-794-TALK. This is Agri. This is Agritalk. Our guests on this day after Christmas are Chris and Angie Buck, sisters in Northwest Oklahoma, who are uh, Chris is already out of college and in farming with her father, and Angie is soon to follow. Eight hundred seven nine four eight two five five is our phone number. If you'd like to make any comments regarding young people entering farming or any uh, uh, comments to either Chris or Angie, let's go to Lucille in Nebraska. Lucille, hello. Yes. How are you today? Fine. What do you think of this? I think it is great. Women can do anything they set their minds to. All the power to those two girls. How about anybody making it in farming, though, uh, starting out today? You have to have determinations. You have to have backing. And you have to have uh, willpower. And those girls, sounds like they got the willpower if the other parts if the backing and the community will go along with them, they can go a long ways. Uh, Chris, what about other farmers? Uh, any sensitivity to whether they want you entering into farming in your community? Um, well, I would have to say that they're basically for us. There's a lot of farmers around here who um, are really good to Angie and I. Um, they're they're kind of like, you know, they they watch over us and they take care of us and, you know, it's it's kind of nice knowing that they support what they're doing and you know I've never heard any hurtful things about any any farmer saying well those two girls are trying to run the world or anything like that. Well, where I'm coming from is the competition side. I mean, all land gets uh, rented or purchased by someone, and with you entering in. Uh, that can be competition for somebody out there who's who themselves are trying to make it in farming. But if yeah. it's in the family, it should stay in the family. If it's yeah. in the family, it ought to stay in the family. Huh? Regardless of what your sex is. That's true. Okay. Okay, Lucille, thanks a whole lot for calling us today. Thank you. You're welcome. Let's go over to Virgie in Iowa. Hi, Virgie. Hi. Happy holidays to you. Seventy years ago, I knew a lady who farmed her own farm. Uh -huh. All of her life, and she was one of the best farmers in the whole area. Seventy years ago? Yes. Wow. And she left a big, big farm to her nieces and nephews. And she uh, and she did it without uh, any... Uh, did she ever marry? No. She never did? And on top of that, she lived with her sister-in-law and, and brother... And she did a lot of the cooking and even helped take care of the kids. Mm -hmm. And she still farmed all of her land all alone. Well, I think <laughs> the, the pioneers are already out there. Uh, but the question is, today, uh, can a person get into agriculture? I just think it's... it's Not on their own. They cannot do it on their own. They have to have big help. Well, uh, Chris and Angie, uh, you guys have... Uh, have the backing uh, up yes. to a point, but uh, you cannot depend upon it to uh, to totally carry you through, can you? I think they can do it because they have that uh, outside haying job. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of difference sure. right there. That gives them cash. Yeah, it's it's custom work, mm-hmm. and you you work for other people, sure. and you get paid. You don't have to wait until you sell your wheat or until you sell your cattle. Mm-hmm. It's there. But it's also seasonal too. Yes, it's very seasonable. But we um, we make pretty good money at it, and I think that both of us are real good money managers. And it carries us through the winter pretty easily. You're going to have to continue that. Virgie, thank you for calling us today. What about uh, the way that you uh, you get the haying jobs? Do you just put it up for other people, or do you do any uh, share work with them? Um, some of the work that we do is on shares. Um, we, there's a farmer um, just south of Cherokee, and we cut his alfalfa. Um, we rake it, we bale it, and we haul it into his barn. And whenever we sell it, we get half the money. And then for other people, we'll just they'll call, and we'll go and we'll check their hay. And whenever it's ready, we'll go up there and we'll bale it. And then they'll pay us per bale. And you feel like with the uh, cost of those machines, but the uh, desirability of baling these big rectangular bales, that you have a ready market? Yeah. Let's hope you do. Let's go over to Wendy in Iowa before the break. Wendy, hello there. Good morning. We're 100% ladies today. What's your comment, ma'am? Well, I just was listening, and now I just was really glad that those two girls on this world that are trying to make it in farming. It was my dream to start my own farm, but I know it's just going to be too expensive to start on my own. I have a divorced mother with three children, and it's kind of their dream, too. Um, I think what we're going to do is hopefully I've just finished my first year in ag and uh, at the college here, and mm-hmm. I'm starting in uh, also some secretarial and accounting, and I'm hoping someday to open up my own um, soil testing and fertilizer store, uh-huh. um, and uh, kind of like a... So you're going to try to be in agribusiness related to the agriculture in your community? Yes. Well, I tell you what, I wish you well on that. I've got to go because of the break here. Thank you, Wendy, for calling us today. Good luck to those girls. Thank you. And Chris and Angie, if you'll stand by, in the second half hour, we'll continue talking to you about entering farming. Our number is 800-794-8255. Call us at Agritalk. Information you want and the voice you need. Now back to AgriTalk with your host, Ken Root. We've had a slight change in our subject matter for tomorrow. We're going to add a major change in it. That show fell through at this moment. We're going to move to one uh, with some people that uh, Rustin Hamilton has found us in South Dakota, Jim and Joyce Ingalls, who have a hunting resort there. Now, they have been farmers. They're now running a full-service resort that will uh, that's primarily pheasants and waterfowl. Uh, they can take up to, I think it's 13 hunters. They can uh, uh, provide you with the guides, the dogs, lodging, meals, etc. They also raise about 8,000 pheasants every year. And I want to talk to them and have you join us as well on whether or not there's a means by which landowners can have some other income by utilizing that wildlife resource that's on many farms and ranches across this country. Our guests today are Chris and Angie Buck, daughters of... Uh, Jim and Marlene that I went to college with, uh, uh, granddaughters of, uh, what are your grandparents' names, Joe and uh, 
girls. And Doris and Lyle Schaumbacher. Yeah, and the Schaumbachers as well. So you're up northwest Oklahoma. I was saying that because you're very well established. Uh, do you even know when your family came there? I, I really don't know. Um, my Both sets of our grandparents are farmers, and as far back as I know, everybody is just farmed, and there's really not much else to do in this area if you don't farm. And your daddy had three girls. Yep, three and girls. And so you are determining that at least the, the older two of you are going to strike out into agriculture. Yep. Chris, what's your biggest concern? What's your biggest fear of trying to go full-time in farming? I don't know. Um, I'm is, not is scared. It, so it's not failure. You, you're not afraid of failure? No. I can tell you some stories of the 80s that concern me of families that decide to bring another generation back in, and uh, they uh, leveraged themselves rather highly, got into debt, and everybody lost. Yeah. Well, if you don't have room for another person to come in and farm with you, there's no sense in trying to make it work. You you have to have a place there for you. Well, who asked who? Did your daddy ask you and your mother, or did you ask them? Well, actually, um, with Angie and I's bailing business, it's it's kind of our own deal, really. Um, we come back and we help them farm, but they don't pay us or anything. It you know it it's not like they're paying us. Um, we. We go and we make our own money, and we help out on the farm. But you get uh, free room and board right now. Well, I I live on my own. Oh, you live out? You live in an apartment, or you live away from the farm? Yeah, I live away from the farm. I live on one of our farms. We have um, a house there, and that's where I live. I don't live with my parents. And Angie, you're uh, you're at uh, in college, and will stay uh, in uh, Stillwater for the next year. Yeah, I'm just kind of a temporary resident of, as of now here at home. I've yeah. got a place at Stillwater. They didn't uh, they didn't close off your bedroom, did you? Did oh, they? Oh no, it's still there. What's your biggest concern about coming back to the farm? Um, I think there's a chance that it might not work, whether it be economics or personality problems. But I think a key role would be communication. Yeah, you got that right. Uh, I think if we continue to communicate and uh, very thoroughly this, between everything, I think that we can get something rolling, and I think nothing much could stop you. Let's go to Mary in Minnesota on the line here. I'm sorry, Daryl in North Dakota. Daryl on a mobile phone. Hi, Daryl. Hello. How are you, sir? No, uh, Good. What's your view of two women entering agriculture here? Well, I think they got quite a challenge ahead of them there. I uh, wondered, I guess they didn't mention what their realistic income level were or what their goal will be over the next five or ten years, and if they understand where agriculture is, is headed for as far as consolidation. Well, what type of, uh, I don't know if I can put a number on that as of yet. Uh, uh, Chris, what do you feel like a realistic goal is for your total gross income to be next year um i don't know that i can put a figure with it or anything but i'm not going to take off too big of a chunk at one time i haven't bought any land or anything i um i'm i'm not the type that wants to go out and buy three quarters just to get started and then be in debt until i'm 80 that's not the way i want to make it go and if that's the only way that 
there is. You know, I don't, I don't want any part of that. But um, we're we're making good money right now, and um, if you just manage your money, I, I think that you'll be all right. And Daryl, your other question was, where do they think agriculture is going to go in the next ten years? Yeah, especially as tough as it is for established farmers, I, two uh, young people trying to start out here, they are going to have to either have considerable help, or I guess either maybe maybe win a lottery. <laughs> well, uh, or don't spend more than you make, perhaps, might be the basic rule. I don't think they've got a crystal ball any better than we do. The bad thing that I noticed, Daryl and Chris and Angie, is that a good decision at one time in agriculture is a bad decision at another time. For example, if you had decided to expand in the uh, late 1960s, that was a good decision. If you, ex if you decided to expand in the late 1970s, that was a terrible decision. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, Daryl, it's really tough to know what to do when. Yeah, right. I understand. Uh, I, I started farming back in the, in the early 60s there, and there were some pretty tough rules to hold. Yeah, but, uh, but if you were in and, and fairly solid by the early 70s, uh, you caught the rise of the uh, of the good times of the mid 70s. Right, and then of course the 80s came along, and that kind of you had to do some reevaluation of your business and where you were headed. Well, I'm hoping that agriculture remains cyclical. <laughs> I mean, I hate to see the downside, but if you have a of a down cycle, you surely have an up cycle. Oh, yeah. And uh, the up cycle, the last one we really can track that was good was in the 70s. The last one we can track that was bad was pretty clearly in the 80s. We're in the 90s. So let's hope for the best. Yep. Daryl, good to talk to you. Thank you for calling us today. I got a letter here I want to read to you before I... Well, let me go to Mary in Minnesota first. Mary, I almost got you on a minute ago and then faked you out. <laughs> Hi. Hi. How are you? Just fine. You and your husband have a dairy farm, right? Yep. Um, we just bought... It'd be three years now in April, this coming April that we've been buying. Uh, we got Holstein dairy cows, and my husband is one that works off the farm too. But we, I guess, we really encourage them that if they feel like they can make a go of it, to do it. We need the farmers, and um, here too, it's it's the challenge. You know, I heard her say the challenge of it. You know, it's gamble and everything else. But we enjoy the fact that when the cow drops the calf that two years down the road we could see what that calf does and um how good they are because this was my dad's farm so i've always been into the dairy cattle and and really enjoy it and i didn't want to work uptown either you know to and it's hard you know i gotta admit you know today's you know like you said the prices and everything else it's hard but we hope you know like you said too of the up cycles the down cycles and well, stuff. i'm sure they appreciate your encouragement now you're a minnesotan encouraging an oaky is that right yeah <laughs> well mr vale our control man today that's an unusual situation to to have somebody from minnesota <laughs> well i guess to me it's girls the girl part is what i really because to me, I enjoyed farming and everything, and I always have since I've been really little. And I guess the girl part is encouraging the other girls, go for it, you know. To me, like I said before, we need the farmer. And I guess if it takes another generation to keep the farmers going, we need it. And, I, you know, we need the food and everything else for the people that either appreciate it or don't appreciate what we're doing for yeah, them. We still you know? need it anyway. Yep. 
Chris or Angie, any comment back to Mary about the, the girl part, that we need more women in agriculture? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's great. I don't like being singled out because I'm a female. Um, I just kind of like to blend in with the rest. But at the same time, um, it's nice to hear some support. Angie, how about you? Has it been a... You've been... I thought you always kind of tomboyish, uh, uh, and uh, being able to be both uh, masculine and feminine, both. How does it work for you now, going back into farming uh, uh, in this situation? Um, it helps. Uh, independence is nice, and uh, encouragement from everyone is also fun. Uh, my mom and grandma and grandparents get lots of encouragement from mm -hmm. people around the town that think that we're such hard workers, and it's fun to hear that kind of stuff, and that keeps you going in case right. something happens, you know. Okay. Mary, thanks for calling us today. Thank we you. We come back in a minute. I'm going to talk with these young women about the potential of uh, marriage in the future and how that might uh, interact with this, and also about off-farm income as well. If you'd like to join us in this discussion, it's 800-794-8255. This is AgriTalk, information you want and the voice you need. This is AgriTalk. I'm Ken Root. Our guests are Chris and Angie Buck today, who are young farmers from northwest Oklahoma. I got a letter, uh, ladies, uh, from Ron in South Dakota over Christmas. It's a very nice three-page uh, typed letter. And... Uh, he says he listens to us on pier in the morning and uh, Sturgis in the afternoon and sometimes half the show on one and half on the other. He uh, talks about uh, working his way through college, having uh, four jobs at one time, uh, and he, was all, he also went to Oklahoma State, which most of you might like. Um, but he says something here, and he, he seems to be, to me, a classic uh, close-to-workaholic individual, if he won't take this the wrong way. But one of my pet peeves is to listen to young people say, I can't get started farming. I ask, how hard did you try, and what did you forfeit in an attempt to buy land? Why did you have to have a $25,000 pickup when you graduated from high school and got your first job? Then he says, did I do everything right? No. I forfeited many Saturday night dances and other social events for later. I missed out on marriage and family life. I'm now 54 years old, and it is too late to thinking of raising a family on my own. So that brings me to a question uh, as two attractive young ladies uh, with all the social graces that hopefully your mother taught you, that you remembered <laughs> that your mother taught you. Um, what about marriage in the future for either of you? Well, I guess it's just part of growing up, isn't it? Well, is it is it going to affect your your efforts to be a farmer um no whether or not we get i mean i i think it'd be great to have kids i love kids um <laughs> i don't know my grandma she's pretty much she's brainwashed angie and i we we know what men are all about <laughs> but <laughs> at, the, at the same time i don't know i i enjoy being by myself but you what you okay? You hear a lot about a lot of farmers that their wives work in town. They have a second income. Um, a lot of a lot of the farmers work in town to get a second income. What's wrong with the husband having a second income? You know, and and their wives being farmers. If they didn't think that sounded too weird, I think I could deal with it. Well, Angie, what do you think? 
Um, I think it would change things, but as of everything, I think you can get over it. Well, I was uh, kind of wondering, I'm sorry, go ahead, Angie, finish your thought there. Well, uh, just communicate and you can get over about anything, I think, just determination. I was kind of going the way that Chris was, you know, you're non-traditional, uh, whoever, um, probably is attracted to you may be somewhat non-traditional here in the, in the roles of men and women. And uh, what's the potential of marrying and your husband work off-farm and you run the farm? There's nothing wrong with that. As long as it's all right with both people then, and as long as it works and you both try hard. I think the marriage part would be harder than the farming part, personally. Well, I guess you'll have to find that out. Yeah, that's future. right. Well, let me give you this side of it, and that is my concern about the risk you're taking for the reward that you may receive. I mean, the gentleman who wrote us here, he believed that you had to really be totally, absolutely focused and determined here. And he's 54, and maybe when he was uh, 24 years old, 30 years ago, things were a little bit different. But today, either one of you, with the background you've got and the education I know that you've received, you could go to agribusiness and you could get a job for somewhere in probably the twenty to $30,000 range, if not more, and rising up to the $50,000 range within the next five years. Mm-hmm. No risk. Yeah. Now, do you see why many people weigh it that, well, you know, I could do that, I could live in a town, I could have all the amenities I want in life, I don't have the risk of having to uh, borrow money or know that if it doesn't, if I don't do it, it doesn't get done. Uh, does that ever enter your mind that that's an easier route to take? Yeah, um, I've always strived to be different and stay out of the commonplace. And I think uh, living in town is the commonplace, and being different as such as being raised out in the country and staying there. And uh, especially being a woman. Now this is this is Angie talking here. Yeah, that's Angie. Especially Can being a woman up in that position makes it more rewarding, even. Mm-hmm. My dad has always said that he thinks one of the biggest exports of this area of the country is our kids, because most everyone around here they're farmers and they raise good, hardworking, honest fair kids most of them do anyway and they go to college and when they go to Oklahoma State or OU or any of the universities from there basically they go to Chicago and to Dallas they might even stay in Oklahoma City or Tulsa but they always leave and it seems like the good ones always leave and every once in a while someone will stay and I think that you know, you need to bring good people back to your hometown every once in a while, or that's what happens to these little small towns is they just go under. How many of your classmates from uh, high school uh, are still in agriculture? Oh, I don't. There's a few of the guys that I graduated with that work for farmers. But um, the girls, they all became teachers pretty much. They all became teachers. Gosh, I love your comments there. I hope you can hold true to uh, to that, and I totally agree with you that we have exported most of our uh, best crop 
Uh-huh. And that was the kids that are raised in rural America because uh-huh. the opportunities uh, are so great, the risk is so much less, and the number of people that are required in agriculture continues to decline. Let me go grab a car phone here. Dorn in South Dakota. Dorn, hello. Yeah. Um, I just want to make a comment. You know, you asked them about uh, their marriage, you know, future plans of marriage and stuff. I know you said, you know, they talked about getting jobs off farm or something, but I know in my case, without my wife, you know, working with me on the farm and stuff, I, you know, we wouldn't survive because, you know, I need the extra help. And uh, as far as hiring a good hired man, it's kind of hard to find a lot of times. And and we do custom work and stuff. And, and uh, so the you know, team she, effort is necessary, right? And she, you know, she she does more work, I feel, than what a hired man would. And if she went off the farm to get a job or something, you know, we have three young kids and stuff. We'd have to hire somebody to you know watch them and stuff and this way you know we we do it all together and and actually we make more money that way than if she's working off the farm so neither of you have any off-farm income now no no do you know there's only 22 percent of people in agriculture that do not have some off-farm income oh yeah i know it's something like that so. yeah it's very low but you know like my wife when we first got married she did work off farm for a few years but when we sat down and really figured it out, by the time all of her expenses run into town and all this and that, you know, by her working with me on the farm, she made more money than she could on the off job, you know, off farm job. And it just, you know, was a lot better setup and situation for our marriage and everything. I felt. So. Right. Dorn, appreciate you calling. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Chris, uh, you got a uh, uh, cousin in the bank, is that correct? Uh, what's Terry in the bank? What's Terry's relationship to you, Terry Haig? Terry Haig is my dad's first cousin. Yeah. What's his view of you guys getting into farming? Um, I imagine he likes it because we come in and borrow money from him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, well, I was wondering I've never heard him say respect. anything negative about it. Yeah. A lot of people say that we're crazy for what we're doing, but I enjoy it. Yeah. You know, I might not do it forever, but it's something that I've always wanted to do. I've never been able to because I've always been in school. And now I'm able to, and I'm going to give it a shot. At least I can say that I tried. Well, I thought he has some of the best business sense of anybody I've ever been around. Mm-hmm. So He's uh, a very nice guy. Listen to uh, his, uh, his recommendations and... Uh, those of your parents and uh, uh, Angie, thank you. Good luck on your last year of college. Okay, thanks. And uh, Chris, appreciate you uh, voicing a number of very interesting opinions, and uh, I hope everything goes well as you uh, enter into this uh, next season. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys uh, got two balers now, right? Yeah. Custom farming. Yeah. And no wheat pasture this year. Not much. And uh, But next year's going to be better, right? That's right. Okay. That's how you have to look at it. Happy holidays to all of you. Take care of yourselves, and thank you for being with us today. You too. Coming up tomorrow on AgriTalk, we're going to talk with a couple who have opened a hunting resort in South Dakota. This is a resort that's uh, 
full service. They do it all, and uh, we think they make some money at it. We'll ask them about it and see how you might be able to also get into something that gives you another cash crop from something you might not have considered in the past in agriculture. Then on Thursday, we'll talk to cotton producers about the year that they've had, what they'd like to see in the upcoming farm bill. And speaking of the farm bill, we'll have that on Friday. So we'll be here all week. Hope you'll join us, stay with us, and have good holidays with AgriTalk. Information you want and the voice you need.